Pastor Javen continues our series called Shape Up, a series on spiritual formation. And today we'll look at how sometimes we just need to cease striving and be still. So take a moment now and prepare your heart for today's service. We are uh, uh, concluding today the series that we have been in on Shape Up, where we have been looking at what it looks like to shape up our spiritual life, to to grow in our relationship with our Heavenly Father, to become closer to Him through Jesus Christ, through the power of His Holy Spirit. And we've said that there's specific ways that Jesus even taught us and exemplified for us on how we can do this and to help us shape up in our relationship with Him and our spiritual life. We looked at week one, we said that Jesus specifically taught us how to pray, taught us the importance of prayer. And Jesus didn't do this just to give us something else to check off our to-do list, right? He taught us this because there's an importance in praying and spending time with the Father and having that relationship with Him. The more we do that, the more we learn to love our Father. We looked in the second week of how Jesus taught us that checking the motives of our heart, why we serve, why we give, why the change that takes place in our life being expressed Why do we do those things? Are we doing it just to get noticed by others? Are we doing it for the applause of man? Because if so, Jesus tells us that when we do it for just the applause of man, we sacrifice the approval of God. It should be all for God's glory. It should be all for his approval. And then last week we talked about the beauty and the importance of worship. We said that worship is simply can be defined as an expression of love. And whether or not we realize that we're all worshiping someone, we're all worshiping something, because there's been created in us an instinct to worship. But the only way our life will be fulfilled is when the greatest expression of our love is expressed to the Heavenly Father. And we worship Him and Him alone. And as we do that, that worship becomes a catalyst to a transformed life and everything else we go through in our life. Now, our text this morning that Jana read for us from Mark chapter 1, it points to one more aspect that I want to hit on from the life of Jesus and shaping up our spiritual life and our relationship with Him. And as you hear it being read, as you read it, you may wonder, well, what exactly could this be? Because like I just reminded us, we talked about prayer in week one. So what in that could there be that Jesus is teaching us, is modeling for us, is showing us that helps us? in our spiritual life. It helps us shape up. So why don't we just take a moment in quiet and silence and let's just sit and let's just think about it for a second. Is that awkward for you? There's actually a term for that, right? Awkward silence. Silence can be awkward. In a book called The Sacred Way, the author of the book, Tony Jones, he made this statement. He said, there's something about solitude. There's something about solitude and silence. Something that makes them both desirable and awful at the same time. Think about that. There's times in your life where you desire silence, right? There's times in your life where you long for that. But then when you have those moments of silence, it's kind of weird. 
as awful can be. Then he goes on, he says, when it comes in regards to silence in our spiritual walk, in our spiritual life, this is what happens. He says, I fear the silence. I fear that God won't speak. I fear what I may hear or that I may not hear. Do you resonate with that? Do you relate to that? Do you fear being silent in the presence of God or getting silent and trying to get in God's presence because you're afraid when you do that, one, you're not going to hear God speak. You're afraid that if he does, is he, if he is speaking, you're just missing it. Or you're afraid if you do hear something from God through his word or some, in some way through the Holy Spirit speaking into your heart and into your life, then you feel like if you do hear that, you're going to be afraid of what you hear what he directs, what he shows you about yourself, about your life. Let's go back to the Psalms. We talked about the importance of the Psalms last week and how we can learn so much from that and how we can glean from that. I want to look at a very popular Psalm. This is a Psalm that if you were to walk through Hobby Lobby, you'd probably see it posted all over their wall art. That's 50% off every week. All right. Psalm chapter 46, verse 10. It says this, be still and know that I am God. Then he goes on, I'll be honored by every nation. I'll be honored throughout the world. But be still and know. I want to look at it from the New American Standard Bible because I love the way this Bible translated. Cease striving and know that I am God. Stop trying. Stop striving. Take a moment to stop working so hard and know that he is God. He's providing. He's taking care of you. He's going to help you change. He's going to help your life transform. He's working in you. In this section of scripture that Jana read for us this morning in Mark chapter 1, When we get to verse 35 and it says that Jesus withdrew himself to an isolated place. Just before that, if you were to read those verses before that, you would see Mark describe a lot of activity that Jesus was participating in. He was doing a lot in that moment. Doing a lot of ministry. Helping a lot of people. Serving in a lot of ways. And then we get to this point where Jesus then pulled himself away. Got off to a quiet place. To spend time with his father. Jesus was God. He was God in human flesh. When you see the father, you see, when you see him, you see the father, he said. But it's in moments like this that we realize that he wasn't just God in flesh. He was also fully man. Because it's in these moments that we can see that Jesus can relate to us. And we can appreciate that Jesus can relate to us. He is a lamb that was slaughtered, a lamb that he was a high priest that can understand everything that we go through, the author of Hebrews says. And it's in this moment we see it because in his humanity, he's tired, he's drained, he's being pulled in a lot of different directions. And because of that, he pulls himself away. He isolates and he spends time with the Father. He got away, withdrew to a solitary place in the quiet where he also spent time praying. It's been noted that there's three different times of prayer that Mark highlights throughout his gospel. 
Doesn't mean that Jesus only prayed three times, but there's three that Mark highlights. One of those is the one that we just referenced in Mark chapter one. Another's in the middle of the gospels. And this takes place where, when Jesus, after he feeds the 5,000, And John, in John's gospel, he points out that after Jesus fed the 5,000, it was there where the group of people almost mobbed him, trying to force him to be their king. But it says that Jesus pulled away, he got away from them. And Mark tells us that he pulled away, he withdrew to a solitary place. Then we see where the other gospels reference as well. It's near the end of the gospel of Mark, where Jesus pulls away into the garden of Gethsemane to pray before he's arrested and before he is taken to be crucified. Every single one of these moments for Jesus was critical moments in his life with a lot of pressure going on and happening in his life. And each one of those times he pulled himself away in quiet and in solitude. I love that Jana mentioned this in her prayer. If Jesus found strength in private solitude and quiet and silence in times of prayer, Focusing on his father. Should that not be a valuable lesson to us as well? Just as the psalmist spoke, Jesus knew because he meditated. We said this last week on the Psalms. I need to cease striving for a moment. And I need to pull away and I need to be still and know that he's God. Solitude and silence are key to us growing into our likeness of Christ Jesus. But we live in a world that does not teach that, right? We live in a world with a different philosophy. We live in a world that glamorizes overwork and glamorizes busyness. If you're, if, if you're not busy, you must not be doing much in life. That's why we feel the need to. How's everything going? Oh, it's busy, man. I do that too. That's, what, that's our initial response. Because it makes us feel like we're relating to everything going on in life. Think about this. Jesus, he was, Luke tells us he was 30 years old when he started his adult ministry. Luke chapter 3 verse 23 is where you see that. He's 30 years old when he started. John, throughout his gospels, speaks of three annual Passover feasts that happened during the time of Jesus' adult ministry. So that means, and that tells us, and what history points to is that Jesus lived to be about 33 years old when he died. And the first 30 of those years was spent in a carpenter shop, but we don't know much about what he was doing. So the modern world would tell you that in those three years where he was doing what he did, He must have been going at breakneck speed to change the world, not taking any time for himself. But yet those who were close to him, those who knew him well, wrote in their gospels that Jesus even took the time to pull away, to get away in the quiet and the solitude, to cease striving and to focus on his father. That's not to say that Jesus didn't work hard. He did a lot in those three years. But he valued being quiet in the presence of his father and pulling away from everything. Maybe you've been told this before. Maybe you've said this before. But you've been in a place and someone looked at you and they tell you, you just need to try and relax. You ever been told that? Try and relax. Have you ever thought about how much of an oxymoron that statement is? Try and relax. We mean try and relax. 
going to try and relax. That's the problem. We don't need to try. And that's what the psalmist is saying. Stop trying. And relax. Pull away. Get into the presence of the Father. And spend time in the stillness and the silence. And grow in Him. On uh, May 24th of 1883, New Yorkers celebrated the completion of the Brooklyn Bridge. Now, this bridge was uh, the first suspension, wired suspension bridge that was built, but it wasn't done. It didn't take place without some sacrifice because what had to happen for this bridge to be built was that the giant foundations of this bridge were built in, uh, in underwater. So that means that those who were working on these foundations, they had to work in chambers that are called caissons. They were extremely airtight chambers with a lot of air pressure. And those who would work in them, they would be in there for about eight hours under extreme tense air pressure. And so when they would come out, all of a sudden these horrible symptoms begin to show in their bodies. Because their bodies would begin to try to regulate to the pressure of the environment around them. Now, science has now called this caisson disease, if you've ever heard of that. But what happens was when you came back, there was a rapid decrease in the pressure. So these tiny nitrogen bubbles began to go into your blood and into your bloodstream. And it would cause your oxygen supply to become low. It would cause you to become nauseous. It would cause you to begin to, uh, your your joints to begin to ache. It would cause uh, paralysis. And some even died from it. All because they went to a very, a place with a lot of pressure pushing against them and in their body. And all of a sudden out, away from that pressure. So what happened was when scientists began to realize that this was taking place, then they built what are called, maybe you've heard of them, decompression chambers. So that when they came out from those places of great pressure, they would go into a decompression chamber so that their body could decompress and then handle life after that. It's no different from us. Every day of your life, there is the potential for a lot of pressure that you feel in your life. You're pressured if, as a parent. You're pressured as a, a spouse to feel the need to, to, to supply in, in different ways. And you're pressured in your jobs. You're, you're pressured sometimes by friends. You're pressured in a lot of different circumstances. And that's why you need to take moments in your life to move out of all that pressure and decompress. And Jesus reflected, Jesus showed us this. When he pulls away, he was decompressing from everything that was taking place around him and getting in the presence of the Father. I love the prophet Isaiah and his statement. You can find it in Isaiah 26. He says, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. And what he's, what he's saying right there and what that meaning is implying is, is it saying it's everyone who has braced itself. It's, it's, it's using the terminology of something that has been braced or been supported against something. So Isaiah is, is getting people to say, what am I putting 
where am I finding all my support? Where am I finding what the structure I'm bracing myself against? If you've ever built a house, you know that your house goes through a lot of inspections as it's being built. Sometimes those inspections can get frustrating. But what they're doing is they're inspecting those things, especially in the beginning, to make sure that this house that's being built, it is braced and supported in the way that it needs to be so that it doesn't fall. And so that it supports everything else that this house is being structured around or for. And Isaiah is saying, when you're bracing and supporting yourself against the right thing, and what is that? When your thoughts are fixed on him. It's the whole reason why Isaiah, others throughout scripture, and Jesus himself called himself the chief cornerstone. Because in that day when structures were built, they used stones. And the cornerstone that was laid first was important. Because it had to be a faultless cornerstone. That's why it was chief. So that everything else that was put up against it needed to be put up and aligned to it the right way. So that every other stone that was built, it was a proper structure. That's why we have to fix our thoughts, brace ourselves, support ourselves on who God is. Because as we do that, he keeps in perfect peace and he helps us through everything in our life. That's why the psalmist said, be still and what? No. How often do these first five weeks of January, if you've been around or if you've watched online, Have we seen the importance of growing in our knowledge of who God is? Being still and being silent is key to us knowing who God is in our life. And taking time to reflect on him in his presence. To be still. Open up this word and just let him, and just listen. Just let him speak to us. I showed you a clip last week from Bono, lead singer of U2, and he was talking about with Fuller Institute the the power of the Psalms and what the Psalms meant to him in his life and how he's grown through them. In in, in one of these interviews, they shot him these what they call rapid-fire questions. They asked a quick question. They want him to give just a quick one-sentence brief answer. Two of those rapid-fire questions that they asked him, they said, they, they, they said what uh, one thing you learned about God through reading through the Psalms. He quickly says, he listens. Then they ask this, one thing you learn about yourself after reading through the Psalms, and he quickly responds, I don't listen enough. Man, this front man of a secular, internationally known, popular group, understanding the power of the fact that you have a father in heaven who listens to you. But you need to take the time to sit and be still and be silent and listen to him. I mean, think about this. We listen to the pull of so many voices in our life. We listen to the pull of the voices of the news. We listen to the pull of the voices on radio. We listen to the pull of voices today in this time on podcasts, through books. We listen to the pull of the voices to everyone that we work with in all these different 
aspects of things being said and things being done, we listen to that. It's constantly pulling at us. All this information, all this stuff, we're listening to it, but we neglect to listen to the most important voice in our life. Sometimes. And that's the voice of the Father. That's why we need to sit in His presence, to be still. The more we listen to God through His Word, the more we gain a knowledge and understanding of who He is. The more we grow in our faith with Him. But we have to be still and listen in order to grow. We, and I'm sorry for the crude kind of analogy, but we sit down and we vomit out our prayers. We just sit down and, or, 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 or on the goes, just spew out everything we need from God. When God wants us to sit down, to be still, to be silent, to listen, to pray, but then to listen some more. There's power in being silent. You need to know this because the enemy... The enemy is going to attack you and he will attack you in wilderness moments. When you have become isolated, he did it to Jesus. When Jesus, after his baptism, and let me just pause right there and put in a plug for next week. Next week, I'm going to be talking about baptism, about the importance of it. Why we as followers of Christ do this, what it's all about. What's the meaning of it? If you've never been baptized, or, or, or you've, you know, your life's been through a lot and you want to rebaptize, that's fine. Talk to us this week. We, we want to help. We want to do that. Next week will be a great time to do that. I know we've got some that's going to do it. But even if you've been thinking about it, I want to encourage you to do this. Even if you've been thinking about it, come next week, listen to God's word as I try to share that with you and bring a change of clothes. <laughs> And after hearing God's word and you realize, yes, I do need to do that. I'll give you a key moment. You go out, you grab them clothes, you come back, you change and come back over here and join us and we'll be baptized. All right. But listen, Jesus, after his baptism, says the Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness. And he spent a lot of time in that moment with his father in the quiet, in the stillness, in the silence. Seeking his father. But it was at the end of that long stretch of time that all of a sudden, our spiritual enemy, the gospel say, the devil, came to him and tempted him. And you know how he tried to tempt him? He tempted him by twisting the knowledge of God's word. But you know how Jesus responded? He responded with the truth of God's word. Ladies and gentlemen, we live in a culture today that is constantly twisting the word of God to try to make us think there's truths that's actually a deception of the word of God. That's why you need to be still and be in his presence and know what he says and the truth of what he says. To stand in a day and time when that is over and over being done. But the enemy is going to come at you and tempt you, especially in moments where you feel lonely and you feel isolated. But notice this, Jesus prepared for that wilderness moment 
because he had chosen to make time in the wilderness with the Father. He chose, he, he made a choice to spend time alone in quiet, in solitude with the father so that when he spiritually or when his life felt like he was in a moment where he was isolated and alone and the enemy tried to attack him, he was ready. Your time and chosen solitude and silence with the father will prepare you for the lonely moments that the enemy tries to attack your life. I heard a pastor, I can't remember who he was. So forgive me for not remembering the name, but he made this statement. When you feel lonely, you feel deserted. You feel like you've been drugged into a wilderness. He made this statement. He said, God can take what feels like a wilderness of loneliness and he can turn it into a womb. And he goes on and he says this. He says, if you turn that wilderness into a place of silent pursuit towards the father, he can birth something new in you for your life and through you. But we have to be willing to be still, to cease striving in our own efforts, to just cease striving in life altogether from time to time, to not be afraid of the silence and to listen. And then we notice in the scripture when the disciples found Jesus, I think this is hilarious. They find him and they tell him, everybody's looking for you. We're all wondering, running around trying to find, where did you go, Jesus? Where We've been looking for you. And I have to think that Jesus is in his mind thinking, I know, that's why I'm out here. <laughs> but he also knew that his ability to impact everyone who was searching for him depended on his time alone in solitude and silence with the Father. Listen, the impact that you make in the world around you, the impact on those who are looking for you, who need you in your life. And yes, there are people who need you in this life. But your ability to make an impact in their life because they need you depends on your time alone with the Father and being with Him. Do you realize how much you need these times with the Father? And I know this might be a little cheap, cheesy illustration, but think about this. If your doctor told you that you had a fatal condition and unless you did what he prescribed every little bit for some certain time of a day, this prescription was proven through immeasurable knowledge, through research, through years, And unless you followed that prescription, you would be dead in the morning. Now, listen, as cheesy as that is, if it were real, you know that you probably wouldn't make excuses about why you shouldn't do that thing that is proven to help you not die. You wouldn't say, well, I don't think I'm going to have time to get to that today. No, you'd make time. You probably wouldn't say, oh, I I got so busy doing this, I just forgot. No, you would make sure you remembered. As cheesy as that illustration is, listen. Jesus has given us a prescription. And unless...
unless we put into practice these moments of, I'm not saying these four things that we talked about over these four weeks are the only things that help us in our spiritual formation. But I think they're key. And unless we take moments in our life, what Jesus has exemplified for us, again, if Jesus needed to do it, if, he, if we take the time to pull away, to get into stillness, to be silent, to listen to his voice through his word, to just sit there, to pray, and then to listen again, to see if the Holy Spirit's directing us in any way, imparting something in us in any way, to spend time allowing the Holy Spirit to inspect our heart and show us, is there any motives in our heart that are impure, that are wrong, that are not good, that we need to check and we need to change and we need to transform. If we're not spending time worshiping the Father over for anything else in our life, we will be spiritually dead. We have got to take time to do these things. Anything we know we have to do, we do. And the all-knowing, all-powerful creator of the universe who holds eternity in his hands has given us the method for how to grow in our walk with Him in our wisdom and in our knowledge and our understanding so that we can live a life just like we talked about in the first week that produces fruit for Him through the endurance and the patience that we gain from the Holy Spirit. You may have a lot going on in your life. You may have a lot pulling you in so many different directions. And your ability to go forward the, the one thing you may need to help you shape up is to stop trying for a moment to pull away, to get in the silence, to get in the stillness and spend time with the Father. Open up God's Word. Listen to Him speak to you. Get away from the distractions. Don't let anything distract you. Be still. Cease striving and just know the Father. Amen. Stand with me this morning. When you came in this morning, you should have received a communion cup. If you didn't, just lift up your hand. The ushers will be looking for you. They'll bring you a communion cup. Also, look, make sure that your cup has a wafer in the bottom of it. Uh, if you don't have one, raise your hand. They'll bring you another Um, we're going to do communion together in just a moment but before we do communion we're just going to we're just going to pause the apostle Paul even wrote in his word that we need to spend time reflecting before partaking in communion so in this moment I just ask the band to play softly. And I want you to spend time in stillness, in silence. I know you're not in solitude, but in this moment, and I just want you to reflect. I want you to reflect on your walk with the Father. I want you to reflect on your life with God. I want you to reflect on the Word of God's Word today. Not necessarily what I said. Just reflect on God's Word. Let him speak to you in this moment as we prepare our hearts 
for communion. Jesus that says where two or three are gathered in your name, you are there. So we know you're here with us, Father. We want to be a place where your Holy Spirit finds to rest and to sit down with. And Father, I pray that as we've taken this moment to be in your presence that you've spoken to us today. Father, maybe you have spoken something in our hearts, an area that, that we need to give to you, that we need to turn to you. Maybe you've spoken a place, Father, where we need to be more obedient to you. Maybe you've spoken a direction that we've been longing for, that we've been needing. Maybe you've just spoken an importance into us today of we need to take time to stop and be with you. Father, I just pray that we would honor what you speak to us, God. And as your people do take time to be with you, Father, I pray that they would begin to grow in understanding and hearing you speak through your word, through your Holy Spirit in their life. Help us, Father, to know your voice. Your sheep know the voice of the shepherd. We want to know your voice, God. And now in this moment, as we take an opportunity, as your word says, to remember the sacrifice that you made for us, God. We take this bread and we remember your body was sacrificed for us. thankful today 
that you gave your all for us. And by your stripes, we are healed in every aspect in our life, God. Spiritually, mentally, physically, relationally. They can be healed because you sacrificed your body for us, God. We thank you for that today. Let us never forget what you did for us and let us be convicted and challenged every day to give our life wholly and completely to take up our cross to follow you. We take this bread today in remembrance of what you've done for us. reminder of the blood that you shed. Without the shedding of blood, there cannot be forgiveness of sin, the Word of God says. But Father, you took care of that. Jesus took care of that when as the spotless Lamb of God, He gave His life and shed His blood for the forgiveness of all mankind so that we can be forgiven in the weight of the punishment of the sins, of our sins that we carry can be lifted off of us, that the righteousness of Jesus can be placed on our life. Something we don't deserve, you gave freely to us. And then the Lamb that was sacrificed rose as a lion who reigns and rules and one day every knee should bow and every knee will confess that you are Lord and God and King and one day we will do this again with you and in heaven but until that day Father we take moments like this and we remember what you did for us your grace and your mercy that gives us the ability, Father, to have a transformed life out of our flesh and our sinfulness into the goodness of God. Help us to live every day reflecting that and honoring that change. We take this cup today in remembrance of what you did for us. Father, we honor you. We celebrate you. Would you spend some time now worshiping your goodness and your greatness in Jesus' name. If you need prayer in any way today, we would love for you to reach out to us. You can go to our website, bwccamden.com, go to our contact page. You'll find the link there to uh, request prayer or send us anything that you uh, would like to communicate with us today. Or you can also simply text the word prayer to 803-676-7566. And we will be back in touch with you to find out how we can be in prayer for you. God bless you. We hope that you have a great week.